You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My ex-husband was a best bass player and he got a gig here in Vegas um, on a strip. So for the first year, he was traveling back and forth. And he was like, you could totally make a living as a string player on, you know, in Vegas, like full time. And of course, I would be like, you know, my confidence was like down to zero because, you know, 10 years, you don't do this professionally. So, so I would be like, are you crazy? Like my chops are gone and I'm, I'm too old and nobody's going to like me and I can't make it. And, you know, so we would be fighting about this for a few months. And then one day I remember I was sitting in the office and I was so miserable and I was like, fuck this, I'm going to give it a shot. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2020. And Corey was about to tell me to do something, like start the show, which is exactly what I'm doing. So welcome. And we thank you for listening because this week we have a fantastic guest. Her name begins with Z. And that's all we're going to call her because I can't pronounce it properly. So why should you? From Star Set, one of the greatest cellists on the damn planet. Almost the Tina Zhao of our era, even though she's still alive and only 30 and actually younger. Siobhan, Corey, how are you? doing well doing well um was yeah it was it was great to have i mean she's my dear friend so it was a pleasure to have her on and to be able to you know having some you know background knowledge of who she is it was nice to hear her tell her story you know so it's, yeah. it's and a, a great another episode. unique story which is always good like the, i feel like we've talked to so many people and, and there's not there's a lot of shared kind of like ideas and mindsets but everyone's very different in their uh, in their journey to get where they are so that's cool well you have you have to ask yourself how do you become a world-class cellist from Slovakia playing at Raiders Stadium whatever the fuck they call it in football or basketball <laughs> what baseball we won't claim know. to be sports aficionados but anyway stay tuned we won't give too much away this is part one with Z Zuzana Darling. listen and subscribe 2020-d.com stay tuned for Zuzana part one Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin here as always with my cohorts and my co-hosts, my Lost Symphony bandmates, our sponsor, Lost Symphony, Chapter 1, 2, and 3, Benny Goodman and Corey Peza. How are you guys doing? Doing good. It's been a minute. Enjoying a nice cocktail, drink, Ex- whatever Excited to see right you. Polar seltzer, yeah. <laughs> we, we put this down to once a week because it's a lot to drink in. My mom only has so many hours in the day, even in her retirement, to listen to us. So we're like, now we're not so stressed for episodes. So it's like, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. It's I know. Normally just well, now, like, that, can we- now that the world is starting back up too, you know, everybody's getting back on the road, which is awesome. Is More it? shows. I mean, yeah, I think it's awesome. I was, I think I got really depressed, but I didn't acknowledge it because, you know, that's what we do. We move on. We do other things. Yeah, you, you, know? spo- you suppress those feelings. 
and Absolutely. then you drink. No, then- that's not how they do it now. That's not how they do it now. We're not in a time where people suppress their feelings. Like it's, they tell people, you tell everyone about your feelings. I'm perpetually in a time where people suppress their feelings. Okay, before we get too carried away, we'll let the shenanigans come up later. Let's introduce our wonderful, beautiful guest who is here with us, my dear friend, Zuzana, also known as Z. I call her Dowling for anyone that follows us on social media. We always are calling each other that, but I'm so excited that she is willing to join us. My bandmate in Star Set, incredible cellist, incredible human being. I'm so happy that she's here with us, tuning in from Vegas. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to dive into your story and Hello. You know, have a great time. Thank you so much for me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. We had the chance to kind of meet in person just a few months back for the Star Set acoustic show so that that was that was a good time you and siobhan have traveled the world playing star set songs so i'm sure you guys have tons of awesome stories from that perspective which we're going to dive into um later on but as always it's a good story to hear how a cellist gets into the rock and roll world so can you tell us how you got into music in the first place since i can remember i was like singing and i was like really into the music and my dad is a musician and I have, I have a brother and a sister, I'm the oldest, and we all are musicians. So when I was like six years old, uh, my dad obviously noticed that, you know, there's something. So he, he kind of asked us like, do you guys want to like play an instrument? And we were like, yeah. And so he asked me like, what is your favorite instrument? Like, what would you want to play? And I said, I want to play piano. But my dad was like, well, you know, we don't have money to do the piano one here. Why don't you start with the recorder? And, <laughs> I and love so, this story. So I was like, OK, so I'm like, here I am, six years old. This was like a sexual protection thing on your on your father's part. He's like, There's, she's never going to get any boys with the recorder. We'll, oh, we'll keep her safe. Oh, my God. Uh, well, I'm engaged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you changed. Are you playing the recorder now professionally? <laughs> no. Hey, let's I not hate on recorder I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, so, um, so yeah, you know, I feel like anybody can play recorder, but I actually played recorder for five years and I basically brought it to another level. I went to the competitions and I, you know, I play like classical parts where we're what does a recorder competition sound like? I'm sorry, I don't mean to be, I, I have to understand this. There are recorder competitions, and what does one do to quote unquote take recorder to the next level? I'm, I need to understand what that means, Z. Well, usually you play recorder for like a one year or two years, and then you, then you transfer to like a clarinet or a flute like this, you know, or a different, different instrument. But for me, I just kept playing it for five years. And so, you know, so um, I was like reading the, like the violin parts, violin, violin pieces, because I was just so bored with the flute pieces, you know? <laughs> so, so, um, so then we did that for like five years. And then when there was a time to actually play this flute, you know, I, could, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't like, no, like it just, I, it just was not happening. So I was like so pissed off that I actually quit music for like about two weeks. Okay, uh, here I am. Eleven. That's the more. most intense record. <laughs> most intense recorder story I've ever heard. That that, that that reminds me of the time people like I played guitar and then someone gave me Guitar Hero and I tried playing the same song on Guitar Hero on like PlayStation and I couldn't do it and I just I gave up music because I couldn't play the video game. Right, you you get like pissed out. Like I was so frustrated. So I was like, all right, well I'm quitting music. 
So it was about two weeks and my, of course, my dad saw me being like all antsy and just like not being satisfied, you know? So he's like, hmm, what about cello? And of course, I don't even know what it is at that time. Like, like what, wh what's that? So he shows me the picture of the instrument, right? Of the cello. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not playing that. It's like, it's huge. It's, it's, it's bigger than me. So and he's like, come on, let's try it. Let's try it. So, and it was like, so it was such a pain in the ass to find a teacher cello teacher because i'm from a very small town and there was like nobody teaching cello in my where? town where are okay, you wait, from yeah, before we gloss over this you you're yeah you're from slovakia I, you need to tell more stories about like where you grew up and like the whole because you know us Americans, yeah because you're exotic totally but even experience. if i was at a bar i wouldn't know like what to peg you as exactly so like tell us what type yeah, of so tell us exotic where you grew up yeah. So I am from this little small town uh, from Slovakia. Uh, the name of the town is Handlova. Can you guys say it? Handlova. 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 No. Oh, that's perfect. Handlova. It's very nice. Baklova. It's like Baklova. <laughs> I knew that yeah. was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I, I drank so much tequila last night. I have a Handlova. Oh, so yeah, you have a hangover, Handlova. Okay, well, that sounds good. Oh, we can use that from, from now on. As you guys are like <laughs> getting sick of your cocktails. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's a very, very little town. Uh, there's probably like 5,000 people living, you know, in the town. And, uh, we actually had to go get a lesson, uh, to the next town because there was nobody teaching a cello in my town. So we went to the next did town. Did your dad have a background in music? Like why, why choose, why did he choose cello? Is there any reason? he just loves strings like yeah he didn't he's like oh, the cello it just sounds really nice it's like it reminded him of like a human well, voice, maybe he was you know? smart he was like listen this girl could be playing at a stadium if we just make her bad like, look look what she did with the recorder okay that's a silly <laughs> instrument imagine if she had a cello and nobody plays cello not even one of the five thousand people in this damn town in slovakia not the czech republic slovakia okay don't confuse the two and no but we should talk we'll about make that you because a perfect cellist which by the way i want you to know that my 16 year old and her friend her friend's first show ever was to see you and their first comment was we love the live strings. The strings were so cool. And it's because they are. Yep. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, go on. So you, so you had to go to the next town over to get cello lessons. Yeah. And so we tried it. And the very first time I actually hold the cello, I just, I fell in love with it, you know? And the first strike of the, it's just the sound that it came out of it, you know? And like, it really reminds me of a human voice, you know? It's just- it's Wait, did you make a sound the first time you bowed it? You yeah. actually got a sound oh, of it? Because mine is going- And that's about it. No, it was perfect. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I just, I don't know how he knew, but I feel like it was meant to be, you know? And ever since I played cello. And I was 11 years old, yeah. So that's how I started with cello. But I- literally did not want to play cello at first, you know? Yeah. yeah. One, one interesting thing I want to highlight that we've talked about before that I think is super interesting, especially for us as Americans that are born here, you got to experience, not got to experience, but you did experience what it was like to grow up a little bit under communism. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I mean, my parents remember obviously more than I do because, you know, the communism fell in 1989 and, you know, I was actually, I was 11. That was the that was the year when I wait a minute. Started playing You're cello. older than me. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. What I'm trying to tell you. 
No, I but I'm uh, just saying that you and yeah. no, is it a cellist thing? Because Mariko, she looks like she's like cryogenically frozen. So right. like, is, is it a wait? Cello, is it star set? Young. Yeah. Is it, it star be. set? I mean, Siobhan looks good for her age, but like you and Mariko looked like you got stopped in time. I, I think it's I think it's Vegas to be honest. It's like the right combination of like the desert life set. <laughs> I hope you wear suntan lotion. <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, thank. You. I mean, I I I feel flattered, you know. But yeah, as I was saying, like the the communism fell, like when I was very young, you know. So, but I do remember uh, stories from my dad because my dad um, used to have a band, and you know they played like parties and weddings and stuff like that, and they actually had to go in front of the judge judges, and you know they have to like play in front of them the songs and they would actually say like you can play this you can't play these songs you know what i mean they would like they you could have long hair uh you couldn't wear like a led zeppelin t-shirt you know it was just like so crazy to me you know but yeah it was very controlling and and I'm did glad anyone that- ever fake them out and be like we're gonna play prayer jaca and instead played like slayer <laughs> yeah what would no, they do I- what would they do in slovakia if like if you're no. like you fake them out with, under communism, do you know? I think they would like shut you down. Like I think you would not be able to perform. At all. You know? Yeah, there were like a lot of artists from Slovakia who ran to America. You know, during the time, and then like twenty years later, you know, they came back finally. So let me ask you, as an eleven-year-old, did you have a vision that you would eventually leave the country and move to the U.S.? Or like, at what point did that enter your mind? So I've never never could imagine leaving my country you know what i mean it was just something that i mean you gotta have balls you know and i felt like i've never had balls to do that you know and then one day i met my ex-husband now (laughs) in 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 my country and that was the number one reason why i came to us but before that, like, I was never like, oh, my God, I want to go to to U.S., you know, I want to go live there, you know, because I couldn't even imagine leaving my family. You know, I to this day, every time I start to think about that day when I was leaving, I still get emotional about it. Like, so my dad, you know, like losing it, you know, and saying, like, don't worry, like you're going for better. It's you're going to have a better life. You're going to have more opportunities, you know, but it was like heartbreaking you know, to see that. But um, yeah, never. It was one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. But it was also one of the the best things that I did in my life, because the opportunities are just countless. Yeah, you're certainly taking advantage of them, too, because you're uh, you're a busy girl. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like as when it comes to music, it's you have so much more opportunities here, you know, so yeah. I'm thankful for that. It, 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 it was hard. You know, this was 17 years ago I came to this country. So like did, when, when you figured out that the cello was your, your spirit animal and <laughs> that you started becoming one with it, did you say to yourself, I'm like Jacqueline Dupree and that I could sit there and I could, it doesn't matter that I'm going to get MS. I'm going to make it count every moment of every day until that happens. Uh, like, did you, did you have a female or a male or any, like, did you say, yo, yo, ma, I, yo, yo, I, this is what I need. I need to obtain that level because I've seen you play and look, first off being a cellist, cool. 
being a good cellist, holy shit. Being a cellist at the level that Dustin calls you back, and I know this because I work with two cellists that he called back. Wow. And I can understand because you're like a unicorn. You, you're Because you could do anything you want because everyone needs a cellist. I always tell people, play the bass. Everyone needs a bass player. But literally, the people need cellists. And then there's you. <laughs> yeah, the question. There was no. The question, question is, 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 is like I feel like her dad put her out to the universe. And the question is, when you finally realized that this was your calling, did you look at yourself as like a Jacqueline Dupree? Which, by the way, is a really obscure reference of an amazing female cellist that did die of MS. By the way, yeah. which was very sad. Yeah. Um, at forty-two, R.I.P. But like. Did you look at her? Like I looked at Vladimir Horowitz on the piano and said, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's well, why I want to play. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like she's one of my heroes, you know, and you know, there's a lot of people who will criticize her for her like vibrato or vibrato. Is that how we say it in English? Vibrato. Vibrato. Yeah. Vibrato. Yeah. So, you know, Whatever. like it's like kind of annoying to some of the people but i just i love her passion you know there is so much what's passion. annoying about it is it just too much is it too, too much, much vibrato oh, is she like the zach wilde of cello yeah it's like it's very kind of. yeah. <laughs> for the non-classical so she's like, people yeah, yeah. so wait, so, so the classical the classical people have like this religious argument like guitarists where they're like well you want to utilize vibrato like makeup where you don't notice it unless it's gone. And then some people are just like, bitch, I'm going to dress like I'm on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I Yeah, it's the same thing. But with vibrato. Yeah. Well, I think just like anything, every, if you have a unique sound, that's what draws people in. And she definitely had a unique sound and a unique presence. And, you know, it was one right. in a million, you know, so whether people liked it or not, it was definitely distinctive. Well, especially with like classical music and that and classical instrumentation, it seems like there's a lot, uh, it's a lot harder to push boundaries, uh, maybe more so than in, in rock and metal and stuff like that. Not that there isn't, you know, pushback if you're trying to do something really original, but I can imagine it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, yeah it's very, very like a closed minded in the classical world. It's very, very like, you know, and then you get, you get, um, um, I don't know if Siobhan, this happened to you, but you know, you get sometimes when you want to do a little different things, you know, you kind of get a little judged, you know, for it. And it's like, you oh, know, 100% all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hold on, but can I tell you why I like Marco? Because when I asked her who she was inspired by, like as far as composers or whatever, she's just like, I like trees and walking on the beach and <laughs> I see things that are beautiful. Like basically she's inspired by transcendentalism. By and and then you, she sends me a track. So I'm working with, with all three of you uh, ladies and you're all fucking brilliant. But Mariko sends me this, this track and I'm sorry if I'm butchering her name. I'm so sorry. Uh, and it's just this whimsical, crazy, like so over the top, like three different tracks that I'm just like, how could you possibly think this? And you realize they're just consistent all the way through. Like, and I must think that as a classical uh, cellist that they're probably in a room like, oh, how dare she do that? Why would she ever think, oh, in Japan, they'd cut off her hand for that. Like, why would you do that? And meanwhile, you're complaining about that, but then you're, you have space aliens like her playing with you. Do you feel like when you're, because you're an amazing player, but do you like walk in a room with someone like Mariko and go, Oh, she took it so crazy. She played the recorder for nine years. 
<laughs> well, I have a lot of respect, you know, for Mariko, and I agree with you. Is that how it's said, Mariko? Uh, I think it's Mariko. <laughs> okay. Um, Mar- Mar- Mariko. But like, you know, Americans, I think they say Mariko. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's totally fine. Like, whatever, you know. <laughs> I'm probably saying it wrong. I'll just, I'll just, call, you, I'll just call you Y instead of Z. <laughs> oh, see, I like that. We're different. Um, yeah, I actually am very um, inspired by Mariko, and I think she's. Um, I think it's it's awesome what she's doing, you know. And she's got such a great like imagination. But what is she doing? Explain us to our idiots, because we don't. I don't know what she's doing. I just hear it and I go, "Is that okay? Is that even cello? What the fuck am I listening to? Explain it to me, you smart people." Well, Sorry think, if that sounds rude. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> um, she's just, yes, like using different techniques. Like she's, you know, I'm pretty sure Siobhan, like, you know what I'm talking about, like the different stuff with the bow, you know. Um, and then she's using a lot of effects, you know, when she's recording it, you know. And So uh, what's your classical minds think, you and Siobhan? Like, what are you supposed to, like, I know you've been ingrained to think things. I know Siobhan is staggered with indecisiveness because she's had all these professors and conductors be like, no, you would never flat that forth. That's the stupidest. Why would you ever? That's not harmony. That's dissonance. That's the definition of dissonance. So I feel like, do you guys have like that in your, like, what are you hearing when you, as classical people, when you hear that kind of crazy technique and she's going through like effects, do you go, oh no, you should never do that? Like, does that go through your head or do you go, you're the one that stood up at the end of the bus? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, how yeah, did she? I, yeah. And not not to cut you off, Z, but yeah, it's just like talking about Jacqueline Dupre. Like, what what's very cool with any artist is when they have a unique sound, you know, and just like like Z, maybe I have a sound that people can recognize, hopefully. But Mariko is the same. You know, you listen to her ch- cello tracks and you know that's Mariko. You right. know, and that, yeah. that's what you very sound the cool. girl like the girl from that show. What's the show with like the violin? You sound like that. You sound like that girl. What's Is it a know. girl that plays that? Uh, it's like the one with the the checkers. I think checkers, right? What are you talking? I think I don't he's know making. Oh, Queens! Queen- <laughs> I'm making a joke about everyone recognizes you from the Queens Gambit, but you still don't remember you're on it, which is why. <laughs> How do you not oh. get the checkers, the chess reference, you silly goose? Literally, you and Z played it online, and the first thing I, I did was it was a very you abstract bo- uh, delivery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. That's anyway, every delivery. Though- to come back to Z, though, one, Z, one thing I love about you and, and Mariko, too, is that, you know, it, you're very open minded and very supportive. And that's something that I can't stress enough in the classical world. We both came from that is it's yeah, it can be very much in the box. And a lot of people are judgy and, you know, they want to find a reason to criticize you. So it is kind of liberating to be in this world where you can experiment and do different things. But before we get too up, you know, off the rails, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you actually didn't start kind of in music professionally because I think it was really cool what, how you kind of flipped your life around and this is a story maybe you can tell to the listeners for anyone that wants to rediscover a passion after doing something different um, you know you worked in kind of the corporate world for a while and I think it's amazing that you had the guts to like jump back into music so maybe fill in you know some of the blanks here but I, I think it'd be great because so many people feel this explains so much with Dustin well, no, but so many people feel like, you know, it's they, they have a reason why they don't want to get back into music or pick something up. And you're such an inspiration for me and for people like that, you know, that it's you can definitely start your life over in any way that you dream, you know? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm a perfect like a proof of that. You know, it's like how much you want it, you know, 
Mm-hmm. So here's what happened. So I went to conservatory in my country and then, um, you know, I uh, was teaching a little bit and then I met my husband, well, ex-husband now. And uh, so he was the reason why we moved actually to Boston. He was from Boston. So we moved to Boston and the plan was for me to get into the Boston Philharmonic or do something, you know, as a cellist. Well, I'm thinking I get to Boston and I'm thinking everybody is waiting for me. And, <laughs> and so I found out very, very quickly that uh, that's not the case. <laughs> and uh, like the one place in the world you could go where there's like more cellists per square inch than anywhere else in the world. It's <laughs> like yeah. Mass Ave with Berkeley School of Music and every like Asian and European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the dictionary definition of Harvard. like big, big fish in a small pond to uh, the opposite of that. Don't forget <laughs> fucking Harvard music program. Like, are you shitting me? MIT. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. We get so, it. <laughs> yeah. And especially Boston, like, is so classical. Amazing musicians in Boston. Amazing. Um, so it didn't happen for me. I mean, I did little gigs here and there, you know. But in the meantime, um, I got hired in this company um, where I was supposed to work like two days a week, just like a temporarily. Next thing you know, 10 years later, I'm still working there. Okay. Every summer I was doing this MIT Philharmonic Symphony thing, which is two months of rehearsals and then a concert at the end. Okay. But that was like, it was like a voluntary thing. I mean, I did have to go audition for them, but it was basically a, a voluntary thing. It wasn't a paying gig, but I just did it. So I have something and I keep a little bit of those classic chops, you know, in it, but it was really hard because I would be practicing like really hard for those two months. And then when this was over, then I would not be practicing like that because I would be like having nine to five job and like literally working like 60 hours a week. You know, it was uh, for the finance company. And I learned a lot in that company. So I wouldn't say that it was complete waste of time, you know, but I've never felt like my soul was fat, you know, I always felt like something is missing, you know. And then my ex-husband was a best bass player and he got a gig here in Vegas um, on a strip. So for the first year, he was traveling back and forth. And he was like, you could totally make a living as a string player on, you know, in Vegas, like full time. And of course, I would be like, you know, my confidence was like down to zero because, you know, 10 years, you don't do this professionally. So so I would be like, are you crazy? Like my chops are gone and I'm, I'm too old and nobody's going to like me and I can't make it. And, you know, so we would be fighting about this for a few months. And then one day I remember I was sitting in the office and I was so miserable and i was like fuck this i'm gonna give it a shot and and so i moved to vegas and it took me about six months to actually get in because you know you move to vegas and nobody knows who you are you know (laughs) same thing yeah new place so you kind of have to like go and knock on the doors go to the auditions you know and just you know keep your head up and just just do it you know and took me about six months um, to get in, and it's been seven years now. 
Can you talk a little bit about the process of getting back in? Because I think it helps to talk practically about like, what did you do? Was it practicing? Was it talking to people? Because, you know, I experienced a similar thing when I moved to Miami. You know, it's just like you realize no one's waiting for you, right? You show up in a new place and there's plenty of other people to do what you might be able to do. So like, how practically do you did you approach that? So it was a lot of uh, a lot of researching online and um, actually um, by word. Is that how you say it? Like word of or like talking to people, yeah. word of mouth. Talking yeah. to people, yes, yeah, talking yeah. to people, and then you know the people will be like, "Oh, hey, there's a Bella Electric strings that are looking for uh, string players," you know, and then then you see ads, you know, on the Facebook like there. There, I remember seeing Bella Electric Strings on the Facebook and like see all these blonde girls because at the time that was the thing like everybody were blonde you know and I see all these girls I'm like yeah I will never be in this band like number one they're like super hot you know they're all blonde you know like it's not gonna happen and next thing you know there's an ad on a Facebook you know if you're interested you know send the applications to there was a link to their website you know so I actually had to like send them you know pictures and um you know informations about me and then they would actually send me uh i remember that it was the purple haze by Jimi hendrix they would send me the track and they would send me the chart and they were like record this you can record it on the iphone and then send it to us and then you know i did that and then i got in so purple haze on cello yeah, it was basically um, a, like a baseline, you know, that they wanted me to like record um, and, and send it to them. So they actually wanted to see, they actually wanted to hear the audio, but also see the video, you know, because yeah. that's a lot. Prisma. Yeah. And also like the, the present, which it sucked seven years ago. Like I would be so shy and like, scared. I would be like this. <laughs> <laughs> It was, we still talk about this when we do videos, like to this day, because that's like another symptom of the classical training is like try and minimize the amount of movement because like anything that doesn't contribute to the sound, it's like people will exactly. say, oh, you're being histrionic or this is totally unnecessary and it's taking away from the performance. And then meanwhile, in the rock world, it's like, how schmaltzy can you be? Yeah, right? exactly. And it's, it's, there's a big learning curve with that too. Yep, definitely completely different, different world. And, you know, because a lot of people listen with their eyes you know yeah as as much i don't really like it as much you know what i mean i mean i like the whole like the you know depending on what you do like of course in the classic classical world like i could care less about how i look you know how i you know i you care about that sound you know mm -hmm. but there's a lot of gigs that we do especially in the corporate corporate world you know like the corporate gig that people don't really it's sad but people don't really care about how you sound it's all about oh, can i yeah. tell you hon yep. wait this is a true story so next friday is my last dj gig where i'm doing weddings and Corey and i haven't played together for i don't know easily over a year probably even pushing two years which is so sad to think and he knows all these songs because he stays current with stuff and still practices i just play i think to myself can i play four chords for an hour and look i'm good people will always walk by me and they're like wow I can't believe what you're doing. And I just do an extra crazy arpeggio for them. I'm like, right? Thanks, man. Corey, like, he used to look at me and be like, dude, you should be doing better for this because we get paid like $400 an hour. But I don't think we should be doing any better because this last weekend, I played piano and it was cold. And I'm sitting there going, this is fucking cold. And then I realized everyone's over at a tent 
not even listening to me play fucking Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue like a champion. I'm by myself. So I actually had to make my own decision to get up from the piano and walk to my computers and press play on a mix because nobody cared. Yep. So much that they didn't, even, they didn't even tell me to stop freezing my hands. I know. Oh, it's sad. <laughs> and then it's they so thanked me for coming in and putting on music. They thanked me. Oh, so thank you for putting on Michael Buble. You've saved oh, our my. wedding from boring. So thank you so much for playing four chords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're amazing. So, yeah. Kind of on, yeah. on, on Corey, that's a set list. C. That's fine. I, I don't care. That's good. Um, <laughs> I'll work on my Play C. C. My, I'll work on my scale. Uh, yeah. But uh, so now that we're kind of talking about the difference between the classical and, you know, image and rock world and how that gets together. How did you uh, when was your first experience jumping into a more rock or a, like less classical type of situation? So the first one was Bella Electric Strings. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's all like top 40 stuff, you know, like whatever, you know, whatever is that out, you know, in the pop world. And then, and then I also got to uh, David Perico Pop Strings um, Orchestra, which is basically a rhythm section. We have a couple of horn players and six string players, all females. Um, and we actually use acoustics, but with pickups. And that was actually what, that's actually where I grew a lot in the band. And I got a lot of confidence. And David Perico, the leader of the band, is, he's amazing. And he will push his players to the max, you know? He'll be like, okay, here's time to, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have a feature, you know, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. So. Long story short, we end up playing 25 or 64 by Chicago. And that was my feature in, in, in the band. And I'm telling you, I was shitting my pants the very first time <laughs> I had to do it. And I had to do it standing up because it looks cool. You know, it's, it is so wrong to play cello standing, standing up. But it looks cool. You know, I mean, imagine me playing like 25 or 64. Well, like, I just remember being like six no, years no. old and, and they asked me <laughs> yeah. about playing instruments and someone had a cello and they said you had to sit there and you had to like open your legs up and go like this. And I'm like, <laughs> I feel like this is awkward for me. <laughs> I'm not and I watch you guys it. stand up. And by the way, so people know, 25 and 6 to 4 by Chicago is a fucking brutal song. So before David Foster made all the horn players play keyboards in the same video that they didn't even play on, Chicago <laughs> was a ridiculous band that played ridiculous music that even Jimi Hendrix, in fact, they were so metal that their, their first guitar player, who again, Hendrix hailed as one of his influences, blew his head off in Russian roulette because he was a badass, but not a smart one, apparently. <laughs> yeah so yeah but so that was uh that was like the first thing that uh made me like go out there and you know held my stage present and the confidence and you know communication with the with the audience you know it was um that was kind of like the first first two bands that i started and then we did the Fence of so Rock what was the reaction wait what was the reaction like so you learned chicago you learn a song that everyone knows it's your feature so you walk out on the crowd like are they feeding you back? Because I know energy yeah. transfer. So like people tell me all the time when I DJ, all I do is jump. 
I jump in time. If someone starts doing money, I do like a money thing. I'm like a white guy doing white, like Will, like imagine Will Ferrell doing the Spartans. And people are like, that's magic because they know the songs. So all of a sudden, like, you know, 300,000. And they're like, oh my God, you, you knew the, you knew the thing. So like, did they do that with Chicago? Did they they feed you back? It's definitely a, a crowd pleaser. But how? Like, what did you feel that was different than being sitting in the back? Like, did they, like, yell at you? Did they start yeah, singing they were, back they were, at like, you? Cheering, they were cheering. And then, you know, they're, the guitar solo, obviously, you know, you know, the solo. It's like, it's weird. Hard. Cello. It's really hard to play on the, on the cello. But it's really effective. Like, I'm, I was so against it. I'm like, I'm not going to play this on the cello. This is like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, like you want me to, you want me to learn this on the cello and I'm glad I did it because I learned a lot you know yeah during- I, I, it, just to comment on that I think think like experiences like that I agree are amazing where you have the opportunity to like be in a band or a project and grow because you kind of need that you know and I notice now after many years like playing with Starset and doing you know other rock or pop gigs or whatever you re-encounter people that are still strictly immersed in the classical world and yeah, they, there's a microphone and they're like I don't know what to do you know or it's <laughs> right. like well, you, people are you mentioned- screaming and they don't know what to do it's like it's a completely like even psychologically there's like a very big like period of transition and you kind of need that like not just doing one-off stuff but being with a group steadily you know, for a while so that you can, but she mentioned something really cool, cool too, that I really admire that you've done as well. Siobhan is taking guitar music, for example, and playing it on cello. And I know that you like sit there and learn a lot of uh, guitar solos and all that stuff. And now like I'm a pianist uh, mainly, and I'm trying to write better guitar parts. So a lot of things I do like automatically on piano that people go, wow, that's amazing. I have to like reverse engineer myself on the guitar and be like, that's a weird, wow, that sounds cool, but that's hard. And, and it's one of those things where like, you don't think it's possible. You're like, cause this is written for two hands on the piano, but then you figure it the hell out and you're like, okay, this is, I'm pretty proud of myself. And I feel like the fact that you've done that and the fact that uh, Myrico and Siobhan, you guys have done that. I listen to you as a plebeian and I just go, wow. Cause I've seen a lot of people play strings. I've gone and seen symphony orchestras, but you know, I watch you play with star set just for example. And you guys are just fucking around playing ACDC. I know that because Siobhan tells me she's just fucking around when she's playing ACDC. <laughs> but to me, I'm like, to see, is she playing Angus Young <laughs> on an electric violin? And wait, that girl's supposed to be sitting down doing that crazy open leg thing, but she's standing up. Is that even possible? Like, and, and then it sounds rock and roll. And then you got the DMX 512 protocol. Adam's just sitting there in space, just floating because the, the <laughs> lights didn't go on. Like, and you're just playing ACDC until they figure it out. And we're all idiots because we think it's the craziest thing in the world because it's still way better than anything I've ever done in my entire life on the piano, guitar, or, or really anything at all. Oh. There was no question. I was going to say that that's. <laughs> <laughs> it was well, just a giant run on statement. No, but that's what's, that's what's great about music, though, in general, is you can recontextualize stuff. And that's what makes it cool. You know, it's like the, it, it's just a matter of time before a lot of people are going to be doing these things on strings. Right. But it's it's cool to kind of be on the, the edge of that where it's like, you know, people are just starting to, especially with social media, getting more comfortable with the fact that like, OK, other genres exist. And you you're know, like the Offenbach of our time. <laughs> But coming back to the pop strings to pay some accolades, they're now the the house band for the Raiders, which is huge. 
So going yeah. back to the beginning I've of your seen. journey, now she's playing a giant stadium with the same group, you know, so Wait, talk about a trajectory. With who? With who? I'm going to say who like the owl. Want- with who is she playing with? <laughs> who? You want to tell we us know about her. it, Z? Yeah, so it's, uh, so this band, it's called David Perica Pop Strings Orchestra. And so right before, right before I went on the tour, they did audition for Raiders to be how their house band during their games. Um, so how many people show up to a Raiders game? What's that? How many people show up to a Raiders game? I don't know anything about basketball. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so actually, fun fact. So the very first game, it was sixty-five thousand people actually. Wow. It's huge. It's huge. It's, it's, it's intense. That's more than me and Corey played together in our entire lives for all of our collective cumulative shows. <laughs> no, but wait, wait, the fun fact, well, actually, I don't know if it's fun fact, was that that game was, um, at that game was the most vaccinated people in one place. The, that first game, because it's, requi- it's a requirement. You have to be vaccinated to go see the game. So if you're a fan and you're not vaccinated, you're fucked. You can't. <laughs> That's a statistic that if you told someone two years ago, they go, "What the fuck are you talking well, about?" You want to know what I, I want to know? know? Right? I, you know what I want to know? I want to. I want to see the people at the vaccination clinics that are like, "Listen, I know I might fucking die with your fucking <laughs> stupid, crazy fucking thing that I don't know what's in it, but I need to see the goddamn Raiders." So just fucking put it in. And if I die, I get syphilis. Fuck it. Because I love the Raiders and I need to see. I need to see that Z girl play some cello. Oh, you guys are probably Patriots fans, right? Patriots. Are you uh, just- I told you I don't like hockey. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would call myself a Patriots fan who doesn't get a chance to watch much football these days. So, but- how, how is Bledsoe doing now? Is he still throwing? He's got a vineyard. He, he, he makes wine now. He's doing pretty well. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's funny. You should get with Flutie. You get in a Flutie glass. It's perfect. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. No, but that's, off. yeah, that's like a, you know, it's, it, it is amazing to go back and think about the classical world, you know, and learning to play acoustic in these small environments and like even the learning curve for going to play a stadium, right? Like having in-ear mixes and it's stuff that okay. a lot of rock musicians may not talk about it, but for us, it's like a huge thing because we don't learn that in school. You know, no one's saying, oh yeah, like this is how you fix your in-ear mix. They're like, oh, you're never going to play with in-ears in your life. The whole <laughs> so you basically right? play. first. My first gig here in Vegas was like, okay, bring your DI box and in-ears. And I was like, what? A what? <laughs> like, I had no clue. And then, of course, my ex-husband, as he was a bass player, like, helped me out, you know. Um, so I had no idea, like, what's DI box? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> you know, it was, and my fir- very first pickup was awful. I got this fished. Fishman, I think it was a fishman, and it sounded so bad. You're I from- was the same. I had that too, and it, yeah, it was it was horrible. When I first joined Starset, that's what I had, and they were like, "Your violin sounds like a trumpet." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you know what you need to do? You guys need to f- <laughs> you need to find a pickup that makes you sound like MIDI. Because if Madonna's taught me anything, if Shoda, who did the whole Jason Becker orchestra, is that you should stop trying to sound natural like Jacques Dupre." 
or whatever the heck her name was and, and, and putting all your own personal stuff. You should imitate MIDI because you can make that on the iPhone and everyone knows that Billie Eilish programming her own MIDI is way better than your years of training in Slovakia. If anyone's confused, he's made several references to things that happened on and off the show over the past several years. So... <laughs> Just don't feel don't feel You're guilty if you don't know what's happening right now. Derailing our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I, I visualize Ben's rants now as the wily e. coyote when he runs off the cliff and doesn't realize that he's got nothing below him, and then when <laughs> it stops, it just crashes. That's how I every time this happens. Now it's what I see. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot like my Apple computer. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's funny that you mentioned like bring bring your DI box. It, I I mean. I I don't play at the Raiders stadium. I don't play on these big tours and festivals. I, I you know, I've had a couple of good gigs, but even I don't have to bring my own DI box. Like tell your sound guy to get his shit together. <laughs> like what's wrong with you? Buy a DI box for your string players. Come on. <laughs> and by the way, how crazy is it that realistically every I was to say every night you're playing for like a sold out U2 crowd and like even though it's for the Raiders like how cool is it that you guys are literally playing every single night to the same as like if Billy Joel were to play Fenway Park in Boston, but like every, every game. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Well, I mean, obviously it's every home game, you know, well, so I think, yeah. I think it's like 10 total. Of course, I don't get to play all of them, but I did play too. I got the experience, you know, because, you know, I'm busy and I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I got well, yeah. to the place to be. Recently, so we we had some uh, star set uh, festival shows, right? And you know, she yeah. was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm too famous. I'm playing with the Raiders." So <laughs> everyone's like, "All right, time to get out that pog pedal. You're playing cello." <laughs> <laughs> and so, just so that nobody was confused, Dustin, for like the first time ever, introduced me to the crowd because he was like, "People are going to think you're not playing if I don't say something about this octave pedal." Oh. He's like, "Oh, he's yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah, so our." So he's like, oh, yeah, our cellist, you know, can't be here because she's playing with the Raiders today. So <laughs> here's <that>. Siobhan. <laughs> yeah, he announced, he said that. He said that at one of the shows. He's like, so, yeah, like here, kudos to Siobhan for like uh, doing double duty and playing cello. <laughs> Basically, so nobody questioned if your oh, cello tracks. But that's horrible. That's horrible because you know what? You know what's going to happen next tour? Dustin's going to be like, OK, do we want live cello or do we want more lasers? And can Siobhan just use a pod box? No, no. No, because the problem is, yeah, like, you're like, don't give him the idea. Then I had to make the choice of, like, all right, is it going to be mostly cello or mostly violin? So I had to, like, become a cellist for some of the songs. No, I mean, it's not the same. Not the same at all. Were you debilitatedly (laughs) indecisive trying to be, like, those parts? (laughs) No, the great thing is, like, it's. I feel like we have some great moments on stage together. And I think over the years at this point, I I didn't even really need to look at the charts much because I was like, I just know what she plays. Like, it was, you know, I had to look a little bit. But, you know, when you live with those songs for so long, you kind of learn everything. Now I just need to learn how to play guitar and bass. So if anything happens, anything happens, yeah. Okay, I get the drums. Yeah. <laughs> Be adaptable, right? Yeah. Well, maybe we can uh, j- just to ask you a question before we wrap up the first episode. Um, in terms of your early music influences, so your your dad w- was a musician or had musical background, but you also have a brother that's a guitar player. So did you have like some sort of early rock influence or exposure to? that type of music that you liked? Did you always kind of have that in your blood, do you think, a little bit in addition uh, to the I classical? Feel, I feel like I did uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, especially my brother, 
he was very much into like the uh, to instrumental instrumental rock. Um, he loved Dream Theater, which is like uh, one of the one of my favorite bands ever. Um, and then he he listened. What's your favorite Dream Theater record? You got it. No, you can't say a, a thing like that in front of Corey and I, because I know Corey was a fucking total nerd at one point, being like. Yeah, that's one of my favorite that's songs. That's the one no, off Awake? I love the, no, but you know, my fa- my absolute favorite is the one when they have that 25 minutes medley. It's the first song. It's a, oh, what is, Change of Season. Yeah, cha- yes. That's that my favorite song by them. No one says that ever. It's, it's, that's, that's my favorite record. That's, that's a classical oh musician gosh, yeah. in us. I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of like a classical elements in this music. For sure. Well, no, that's yeah, the yeah. first time Dream Theater did that, but then they've done that like every record since because they're like, oh, well, now we're yes, and we have yeah. to do 37-minute songs or like do a whole concept record that's like absolute silliness, whereas that was just them taking a bunch of really awesome ideas, putting them together. And one thing yeah. I got to give Derek Sherinian, who was the keyboard player at that time for a short period, was that he really, really brought that band together um, and made it cohesive where it's sounded like a 24 minute song versus just a bunch of prog guys going i wonder if that berkeley they'll think that this is crazy right no because that's I, how i feel about a lot of their new music is that it's just like this is so crazy deliberately i mean not to say that i don't listen to dream theater and think that they're amazing because they are incredible in every way but one of the things that was awesome about that song was it was composed beautifully and every one of the sections felt like its own song to me that was beautiful in its own way and it was a journey kind of how you hope it would be if you had a 24 minute song where sometimes i just go like there's eight minutes of drums now yeah no, it's not like that in, in, in this medley, specifically in this one. <laughs> I love that song. Oh, uh, it's the, the, well, how many songs is in there? Like six? Something like that, yeah. Songs, but I love the transitions. I just, I just don't love it. So anyway, so he was listening to that a lot. And then, um, you know, like Joe Sapriani, Steve Vai, um, Eric Johnson. So he was like, a lot he was yeah and he was like learning all that stuff you know and i was he's he's a year younger than me so i was like i feel like i was constantly around the guitar sounds you know so do you think you applied like that baccarini real soft dynamic to your playing that really translates in a crazy way to something like star set where when you cut through you cut through but what you need to just be a texture like a i don't know a track for a dj you can do that too like that's a very baccarini thing i feel like baccarini um yeah i think so yeah it's a specific question Well, Luigi Boccherini, for people that don't know, was obsessed with dynamics. And one of the things I think that's so important as a cellist, and I don't know because I'm not a cellist, but I would feel it would be like, is your understanding of dynamics, especially in a rock scenario. Because if you're playing in a band like Star Set, where you go from super heavy, you know, kind of almost metal at some times to very, you know, chill background, like your dynamics are going to be so important playing an instrument like the cello that could either slice through you and your heart or just be a nice low end at 50 hertz. Well, I think like specifically in Star Set, we have all kinds of things 
to play there. You know, sometimes they're just the background, but sometimes, you know, there are parts where the strings need to be, need to be really forte and heard. Yeah. Well, you I've know, learned what, it, one thing in, in amplified music too that's different from classical is, yeah, learning how difficult it actually can be to be a string player in a rock band setting, especially when it's not like an orchestra, right? Because there's a kind of a difference between having the blend of like a section that's sort of like the pad underneath everything versus being kind of a more solo instrument, you know? Do you think so, that's I mean, like, we, Siobhan, is that like being Julian Lloyd Webber and, and realizing that no matter how great of a cellist you are, your brother's still going to be Andrew Lloyd Webber and all he needs to do is write like four <laughs> notes for a whole fucking play and it's a Broadway hit for like 40 years. <laughs> That's like how I feel every time I sit down to write anything. Can you anything play, play one note and like do like a tr- really fast tremolo? Just so everyone, Andrew and, Lloyd yeah. Webber has a brother named Julian. Just like Julian Lennon, there's a Julian Lloyd Webber who plays some of the greatest, greatest cello there is. But no one cares because he didn't write fucking Cats. Well, it was like CPE Bach versus JS Bach. I mean, JS is the OG. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the only one that matters to any, to, most people go, there's another Bach. There's lots of box. He had like 75 kids that all composed. <laughs> yes, so anyway, I don't know. We've been adequately derailed. <laughs> I call it progressive. It's progressive. It's like dream theater when they're going on a Ma Vishnu orchestra kick. So as we, we come to wrap up this episode, we got about 10 minutes left. Um, why don't we, we, we set up our next episode where I want to dive into some more of the star set tour stories and kind of the, the adventures that the uh, the Starset string girls have got into. But why don't you tell us just how you got connected with Starset to begin with and how you how you joined in with them? So, yes. So um, their previous cellist was obviously, you probably know, Mariko. Mariko. And Mariko. So- Go back and check out her episode on 2020, 2020-D.com. And remember, they're both ageless. Go put like a, a pick stitch of them together. <laughs> and like, look at Zuzana. It's and so true. Mariko. It's so true. No, no literally, like, she's like, I am. I'm, I'm going to say it. She's like, I am 39. I'm like, dude, if she told me she was 20, I would have been like, I'm get your mom to sign the release for this. And meanwhile, she's older <laughs> than me. I'm like, I I don't know who you are, but you're like, I, I need to be putting whatever Botox into my face. She's like, I, I just look like this. <laughs> that's a nice uh, voice imitation of Mariko. <laughs> that's my voice imitation of everybody. I'm sorry. I love no, her. She's like the nicest person. Very, her voice is very gentle. And even when she wants to be, we had a gig together in Atlanta right after I came back from tour. And she, we were on the same gig in Atlanta. And so we were ready to play. And I was like, get not, didn't have my shit together. And she was like, get ready. <laughs> he tried to be really like just but it was just it was the cutest thing ever she was like get ready it was so fucking cute (laughs) (laughs) yeah you like can't be stressed out around her yeah she's just like total Japanese energy I yep. full-heartedly believe that if we were ever going to be killed by artificial intelligence, it would look like Mariko because <laughs> like, she's so calming. She'd be like, don't worry. It's all going black now. <laughs> I like, it's like, fine. As she plays cello perfectly on her song Expression. As we go into a black hole. 
Yeah, exactly. As like the CERN oh, super collider basically creates ready. the black hole with the neutrinos. It's like, it's going to be fine. Get ready. <laughs> Boom. And there's a mushroom cloud all over our fucking world. Yeah. So let me just tell you real quick. I think, oh, do I have time to say this? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Absolutely. So anyway, so she she was going on a tour with Madonna. And so they needed a cellist because they they were going to release their Divisions album. And they were like, oh, shit, they need a cellist. So anyway, they kind of put her in charge to finding a new cellist. So she sent me a message on Instagram uh, if I would be interested. Of course, I had no, no idea who this band is. So she sent me some links and I saw the band. I was like, how do I not know about this band? This is so freaking cool, you know? Yeah, that's uh, how I so, felt too. Yeah. yeah, and then I talked to Ron and then I did like a couple of festivals, just like a trial, if they will like it, if I like it. And then they asked me to go on a tour and the rest is history. And then yeah. I stayed. She makes it sound easy, but I'm telling you, from my, I think we both have this experience. It can be so hard to find string players that, that, no, it can be so hard to find string players that are fun, that are chill, that wanted to. Like, it sounds very simple. Like, oh, here's an amazing game. No, you're you the white buffalo. No, but it's, it's crazy to me because I'm like, how does this, how are there not more people that it's just like an easy fit? Like, it's, I think it's surprisingly hard, you know? I'm trying to tell that- you. That I am so happy to take Dustin's sloppy seconds when it comes to his music people because he's like the Frank Zappa of our time. He's literally, because, okay, it makes so much sense. Susanna's like, oh, I was really good in the retail world and I understand finance. Like, of course you did because just playing strings and being beautiful from another country and speaking multiple languages is not enough for Dustin. <laughs> you have to have good operational logistics skills, understand cost of doing business, COGS opportunity cost, full-heartedly, and be able to do an end-of-year profit and loss report with your Jello and your DI box. <laughs> and with that, I don't even know if we're at the end of the episode, but... We can, we can, cer- we can certainly wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> before we start the epic end of episode rant so um but yeah let's let's look forward to more discussion of star set and you know continued stories with Susanna thank you again for joining us uh this has been 2020 part one with Susanna stick around for part two thank you as always for checking out this episode of 2020 please visit 2020-d.com like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes this week's throwback clip of the week is from episode number 78 featuring Brock Richards of Starset. Check it out. Just think about like what most people or what people get out of songs. Like especially like in some of the Starset fans, man. Like you have people come up to you and say like, "Man, your your guys' songs really pulled me out of a dark place." And that's that's incredible. You know, because I've had bands do that for me. You know, and especially when you're young and like coming of age, man, like you, you don't really know what to do with your emotions and you don't, you have you don't even have like an outlook on life yet you know like most kids don't even understand <laughs> high school rocked <laughs> <laughs> hello everybody i'm bruce and i'm nolan and this is the corner of gray street podcast as longtime dave matthews band fans we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band, 
or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.